0: everyone, my name's Abby, and welcome to Brown and Bougie, the podcast about me, a brown girl, living in a bougie world. Hello, hello, hello and welcome back to another episode of Brown and Bougie. So today I've got a special guest on my show. Uh, before I do that and introduce her, I'm going to explain to you why we looked at talking about this topic. In my previous podcast, I've talked about body weight and um, how we all struggle with it in our own way. Um, and the biggest thing we actually need to really focus on is our diet and from my perspective I've got my own diet plan whether or not it's right I know it works for me but I thought it was best to bring in a expert in her field so I'm really 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 pleased to introduce my good friend Delaney who is currently a dietitian she's been doing this for a while now Um, and I'm going to let her introduce herself tell you why she is a dietitian uh, what drove her to be one and so Delaney well and yeah if you could just give us a bit of introduction about yourself that'd be great.
1: Yeah, sure. So, hey everyone. My name is Delaney. Um I think I should start off by saying thank you for obviously having me on the show. Um so as Maria said, I am a dietitian and I graduated last year and so for the past year, I guess I've been working as a dietitian for the London Northwest NHS Trust. It's been a really good experience. I do a range of things. So, my role was I was lucky enough to get a role which basically kind of let me do like hospital wards, but at the same time do things like GP clinics and nursing homes and things like that. Okay, cool. Um Yeah, so it is quite diverse. Um, in terms of why I got into dietetics, I know being Tamil, it's like one of the weird courses or like the ones that you do. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, very, very Yeah, and like I'm like, true. yeah, I'm a dietitian, and everyone's like, what is that? And I'm like, yeah. like nutrition, but more. Um, it's actually not a very eventful story, unfortunately. Like I wish there was more like – eye-opening revelations and like oh this was like my calling in life like I feel like that it is now but when I applied for it it's it really wasn't. Yeah you you hit a point where you're just lost isn't it like you need an 18
0: year old to decide what you want to do with your life and what what do you really know isn't it yeah.
1: I know and like when I was applying to um, uni like everyone kept telling me you'd have so much time you have so much time like don't worry about it now and then it hit like year 12 first semester and they're like write your personal statement and I was like uh what?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And I had like literally like because the whole of summer, like I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I literally had like one month to decide. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. I had four choices in my head Mm -hmm. um, as far as I knew. And they were basically engineering, doctor, dentist, biomed. Okay, well, I think all of us know where that came from. I know. It was those thoughts. I was like, right, so careers that I was allowed to choose. And then, like, one by one, I decided that those weren't for me, at which point I was left with no options. And I was like, damn it. Like, what am I doing with the rest of my life? Um, And then, weirdly enough, when I was speaking to a friend, um, she actually told me about the course, and she said that she was thinking of applying. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, And then did a bit of research into it and obviously like it wasn't just like I just went oh yeah okay I'm gonna do this and then did it I actually did food tech in GCSE I was always actually technically really into food like I always used to like randomly search nutrition stuff but I think most girls are like that anyway but like you just yeah yeah exactly it's part of what you want to do I can't really say girls but guys as well but like you just Mm -hmm. that up because it is like nutrition is actually like a daily part of your life like whether you realize Mm -hmm. it or not you talk or think about food every day every day yeah exactly exactly and then that's how I became a dietitian so like it was literally just a bit like Delaney did it on a whim but then yeah. it ended it up working out, out. <laughs> yeah, <it> like <laughs> yeah. Gut feeling. yeah. Like, yeah the risk paid off type thing yeah oh, you know, like how do you tell your parents at the age of 18 yeah I'm going with a gut feeling we'll just ride the wave and see how <laughs> and then that's cool. brings me here today I guess
0: to this podcast with you yeah <laughs> exactly yes thank god thank god you went on a whim isn't it thank <laughs> you <know. laughs> so there you go um, okay cool so I think uh, the biggest thing we, I mean we've talked about the fact that you know you are Tamil and there's a lot of stuff about food which maybe people don't really understand as much yeah. um, so I guess in terms of I think the day-to-day stuff people really want to understand is actually what are those c- common nutritional I guess tips uh, which you find probably that the older South Asian uh, generation who kind of say oh you have to have lots of ginger oh don't eat this after 9 p.m you know we, we've all heard it from our parents from aunties yeah. uncles everything like that you know and sometimes I believe it. Sometimes I don't, and I'm just. Sometimes I just do it because I just want to
1: get when I get my mum off my
0: back. I don't. <laughs> know. Um, but you know, like, I've, people have
1: been there. Okay, let me start off by explaining just a bit about carbs because, like, the next thing I'm talking about will make, will make a bit more sense. So, carbohydrates—they always get really bad rep. And I'm like, guys, like, love your carbs. Like, you need carbs. Like, how does one even live without pasta? Like, quality of life matters. But at the same time, like, people need. Yeah, but people need to understand that, like, your body needs fuel to run. And so carbs are like the main source where you get that fuel from. And so in terms of like carbs, like yeah, if you do eat too much of them or in excess, they do get stored as fat in your body, which is what causes you to put the weight on. So essentially, the principle of carbs is don't cut them out because your body does actually need them. It's one of the like major macronutrient groups for good reason. Um, but at the same time, try to be more considerate about the amount or portion sizes that you're having. Essentially, what we usually say when we speak to um, like different individuals, like our patients or people who come for advice, is that roughly at every meal, we go for 30 grams of carbohydrates. So as like a visual measure or something that makes it easier for you guys to think about it is if it's a rice, it's roughly like a fist size or a handful of cooked rice. Same thing with pasta. If you look at it as a plate, so if you take a medium-sized plate, a quarter of the plate is your basic portion size of rice or pasta, which... Sounds very little, I know, but it's about how you group your other fruit. Things like potatoes are like two small potatoes, two to three, like small to medium sized potatoes or like half a jacket potato, depending on how big the jacket potato is, I guess. So like and obviously if you go for like the whole grain brown versions, they are better because they have more fiber and they're like slower releasing in terms of energy or carbohydrates. So like for people who have like diabetes, they are a better option. But again, if you do not portion size control them the same way that I just explained like two seconds ago, like it makes no difference. You might as well go for the white option if you're better at portion sizing them, right? So like that's the main thing. And this is what my daily argument on a daily basis every day for like half an hour is with my mother and my grandma, because they have this thing where they go, anything brown is healthy. Yeah, but it's made out of crockenma. It's fine, and I'm like, no, it's not. It is just a color. So I don't know if you know. I don't. know. Do you know what kurekunma is? Kurekunma, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So essentially, what's, the,
0: what's the English for kurekunma? I, oh, I yes, literally do it just because oh.
1: I googled it just to make sure, like I knew what I was talking about. Okay, I was, yeah,
0: because my mum always gives me kuraganma and I'm yeah. trying to explain to my non-Tamil friends. I'm like, it's a flower that's good for. You. Like, I don't even know what.
1: To no, say, essentially, like. yeah, it is. It is a type. It's, it's, it's a different. It's it's a bit like artema, but it's like a different variety of millet or grain or cereal grain, it's like an African millet or cereal grain. Um, Essentially what they're saying is kind of right because it is better for you because it's more nutritious it has a lot more micronutrients because it's less processed. Um, It's also higher in fibre, so in terms of like your gut and digestive health but also at the same time if you have diabetes and you're trying to control the release of sugars in your blood, it's a lot better but I'm like Mm. if you are having two plates of kraken marputta, like (laughs) the effect is just about and then obviously that's not gonna work yeah it's not gonna work and it's like especially like even with like weight control it's like if you're going to have two plates of essentially a starchy carb that has more fiber you're still going to put on that excess weight as fat so it's like yeah like the brown versions I'm like always go for it because it's always the better option compared to like the white varieties um of carbs but if you're going to have loads of them just stick to your basmati rice stick to your white pasta stick to your potatoes like there is no problems and like it's the same thing I guess with kuttersi as well so that's like brown or whole grain rice but it's not the essential equivalent of like English brown rice because I think it has a bit more fiber in them it's 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 the rice grain variety but it's like the same principle with that as well so like everything brown might be slightly more healthier in terms of flour content because of the fiber and stuff if you don't actually portion size control them, they have no effect. Um, if I had to think of another thing that I hear quite often, and I don't actually blame our community for thinking this. I think it's like social media and like our our actresses that we see, even in like English media as well, is that green tea is your miracle cure for weight loss? <laughs> <laughs> I have had that too many times in life <laughs> and I'm like, But no, but but no, it's like, it's like you, you, you'll see someone's daughter who loses so much weight and like internally, you know that she's been putting in the work at the gym or she's been doing her physical activity. She's been really careful with like calorie control, eating at a deficit. But like, I don't know, she also happens to have green tea. Fine. And then you have all these RDs like nani, oh, no, rinana, morning green tea that weight loser, and you're just there like no. <laughs> <laughs> that poor girl, do not do it. Yeah, it, there's more to it than just a green tea, yeah. You know,
0: yeah.
1: Like there's no harm in drinking green tea, genuinely. Like there is absolutely no problem. Like if you like green tea, continue to drink your green tea. There's a bit of caffeine in there. I there's, it has things like polyphenols, which essentially might have some benefit to your system, but I would say it doesn't contribute to weight loss. Like there is really good evidence and there's quite a few studies that were done that shows that some individuals did lose a bit of weight, but it was so minute and statistically in, like insignificant that there is absolutely no correlation. It, it basically doesn't count. Yeah, it basically yeah. doesn't count. So yeah. like yeah. if I give you the range from like that systematic review that they did, it's literally like 0.04%, 0.04 kilogram weight loss. and then the largest like or the highest range was like 3.2 but even then it was more like there were so many other factors that contributed to it and like the 3.2 kg was like the one odd individual on the extreme side they were like an outlier so it's like it's very very insignificant and it's like even if there were some changes it's probably because when they decided to take the green tea like they were thinking about weight loss it might have been like a psychological mindset change and like change in motivation so they were probably un- like unwittingly doing other changes in their lifestyle like
0: yeah it's, there's so many like, other factors yeah exactly. being careful
1: with what they have or like cooking um, mm-hmm. and things the way that they cook probably frying less foods probably choosing more healthier options and looking at calories like it was like these small changes that probably also contributed to that level of weight loss but green tea alone doesn't make you lose weight yeah So essentially it can be done through like exercising and controlling your diet. So you take in less calories than what your body is using, doing various activities during the day and also for maintenance. Other things I would say we need to be a bit careful about the amount of oil that we put in food. Like I find like oil is like a massive game changer. Like a lot of South Asians now have stopped using ghee, which is good. I'm like, yeah, well done. Um, because it is higher in, like, saturated fats and, like, you're more, likely to own weight, things like heart problems and atherosclerosis, blah, blah, blah. But I think the main issue is that we don't measure the amount of oil that we put in foods. We just have a tendency of, oh, we'll just pour it straight into the pan and, yeah, that looks like one teaspoon. That's fine. But realistically, it's a lot more than one teaspoon. So we always say do one teaspoon per person per meal. So if you're cooking for yourself for one meal, use one teaspoon of oil and it's more than enough. Or if you're cooking for two people, for one meal, use two teaspoons of oil, and that's how we usually do it. Um, but often, when you pour it in, you don't realize, but it's actually more like a tablespoon. Like oil is very dense, yeah, so it kind do. of unless
0: you, you unless can. you actually measure it. Yeah, No, yeah. no I don't think any ever seen a, any brown person of any sort ever measure their oil in terms of putting it in. I've never seen. Yeah,
1: that and I and I'm like when I when I see like Tamil uncles or aunties when they come into like our clinic and I'm like speaking to them, I'm and like. They're very adamant. They're like, no, we've been reducing it. And I'm just, they're like, but I'm not entirely convinced. So what I tell them to do is go home and then ask one of their children or their partner to measure out two teaspoons of oil and for her to pour it in or him to pour it in as as they would for the meal and then compare the difference. I think that's like the biggest change because it's like a visual, like it's like a visual to me. Like it's like a visual appearance of exactly what the difference is. And then they're just, they come back and they're like, yeah, like we've been putting in way too much oil. And I think it's also particularly harder because sometimes we cook food and then we add oil in between after as well. And then we're just like, no, no, you don't actually need it. Like, you don't need it. Don't do it. <laughs> but then it's like it's also added for taste. So I don't know. Like, I think there's like loads of things that I could probably keep on going when it comes to things that. Yeah, I,
0: I, I, yeah I don't think it's something that you could ever stop talking about. No. I, yeah. I think but the is like, I it. feel
1: like. Like, I feel like, like, I know there's like loads of things that I think that we say that don't make sense, but there are actually some things that have surprised me that I'm like, I have no idea who came up with it and how they figured it out, but they were like game changers. So, imagine me sitting in third year in a lecture about irritable bowel syndrome. So, that's like, obviously, when you have a bunch of symptoms to do with your GI, quite a few people yeah. have it and they don't really mm-hmm. know what the cause is. Yeah. You know, no particular cure because there is no like definitive cause of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for like symptoms of like abdominal pain and bloating my lecturer who is like their shit when it comes to like gastroenterology and everything goes oh yeah so linseeds is one of those things that we advise our patients because it has been shown to have um like very significant benefits when it comes to like easing the days of abdominal pain and bloating and symptoms of constipation and i'm just there like okay cool linseeds take it down as a note and then he puts up a picture, he puts up a picture of bendium and I'm like, no. <laughs> like, whenever I get stomach like ever since I had a child, my mama would just be like, oh, have a glass of water and some bendium and she'll give you like two tablespoons of benvium and she'll just like swallow it whole. And I'm like, no, no. And then you do it and then it's fine. I literally put my pen down, sat back and I was like, oh my days, there is actual evidence. <laughs> oh, no, they were right. Oh, and no. They were right. <laughs> and I went home and I was so there. I was like, you guys are amazing. Like, oh, my God, who taught me this? And then, like, obviously, they were just there, like, yeah, like, this. Like, are you a big? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But, yeah, so, like, I'm, like, I would say, like, if, if there is anyone who has issues with, like, abdominal pain, bloating, like, occasional constipation, indigestion symptoms as well, I guess, like, try having a tablespoon of, like, linseeds um, with some water, it might actually work like there is a bit of contradictory information where like it doesn't work for everyone it works for some people but it doesn't but it's on our like dietetic practice guidelines like it's there <laughs> like like if I was to advise it to a patient it's actually mind-blowing because I can be like oh as part of like the dietetic practice guidelines for inflammatory bowel syndrome if you have this these, these symptoms you can try having Benthium, two tablespoons for three months Every day and see if it eases your symptoms, and so I was just there like, we're not that bad when it comes to our like nutritional effects and it is because like I mean I there must eat- be there must be some truth to something,
0: yeah exactly like as much as I sometimes I'm like, oh my god, how could you say this this makes no sense but part of me goes, actually do you know what actually the older generations are probably a bit more healthier than us they, they, they probably live a longer life than us, you know in terms of nutrition and diets and bodies and stuff so there must be something that you know the generation above and the generation above like they must have been doing something right so yeah there has to be some sort of truth
1: yeah and I think that's also a bit like the whole turmeric thing like Mm -hmm. fair enough like I know there's like not enough evidence to be like turmeric has like the anti-inflammatory properties and all the properties that they were like discussing um in the media like some time ago But because essentially like it just has a bioactive ingredient called curcumin and you need so much turmeric to be able to have enough of the curcumin to have a biological effect. With South Asians, we include turmeric every day in almost every meal in small amounts over a very long period of time. Like I don't remember ever having a meal without it having some kind of turmeric in it so i'm like the right. evidence might not be there and it might not be at a stage yet where they can be like yes there are like significant benefits but i also think there's no harm and i'm like there probably is some yeah. science behind it or there probably is something that it can do that might help so when my patients are like can i add turmeric into my meals i'm like i look at their medic medications and if there's like nothing that's just that like it might interact with it, i'm like yeah no problem yeah for
0: exactly yeah yeah. um okay cool so I guess my next kind of thing um I mean this is se something I've dealt, like sort of struggled to deal with um in terms of the relationship between your body shape and your proportion
1: I think body shape is a big thing as well so I I like I listened to your podcast that you did last and I was just uh, like that is such an enlightening podcast so like well done to you. thank you thanks well done. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that was so good but like is it is true like I think Body shape is one of those things that you always hear about, particularly in our community. Um, I'm sure you hear about it in other communities as well, but I can't speak for them because, again, I'm part of the Tamil community, so I'm always surrounded by it. Um, and I think the first things that people need to understand is the frame of your body is a massive determinant of what your size is going to be like or what the shape of your body is going to be like. It's also determined by things like genetics. So it's like like you said, height is one of those. Sometimes you will just be short. Like you just can't like you will be five one forever. You'll be five three forever. Like fair enough, if you're taller, you're lot you're more likely to have a slimmer frame um because of your height. That's not always true. Sometimes you can have a bit more of a bulkier or a larger frame being taller, but again, it's very much dependent on things like genetics. Um and it's not it's not like it's not like a blanket rule where if you're tall you're going to always be slim and if you're short you're always going to be like you get like varying body sizes does that make sense I think the key there is you need to kind of get to know what your body shape is like and you need to learn to be okay with it like I don't know if I can really say that but from my experience, it took me a really long time to figure out that I may never get a thigh gap. <laughs> like,
0: like, yeah. the same, same. Same. Yeah. Here. Like, I was like, like, no, it, I'm working out and I don't understand why I can't get it. But it's yeah, just how your point. body is. Yeah.
1: It, it took me a really long time to be like, oh, okay, that's fair enough. Cause I spoke to like personal trainers at the gym and i speak to other dietitians and things like that. And it's, it's literally to do with the way that my body is like genetically made up to deal with fat distribution. So I may never lose that thigh gap and that's fine. And there's like a lot of other factors to do with it. So like the thigh gap is not life. Like at the same time, like sometimes the way in which you deposit fat is also very different. So like some people put more fat in their thighs. Some people put fat immediately on their back. And now that too is to do with genetics. Like your body shape will fluctuate and that's really normal. Even on a day-to-day basis, like if you weigh yourself now and you weigh yourself tomorrow, your body shape will fluctuate. But the key thing is, I think it's really important to know I will have a realistic expectation of what your body shape will look like if you reach your target goal, if you have a target weight, or even if as you are, like it's being okay with this is what my frame is like, like I'm probably not gonna have a body like Kim Kardashian. Makes sense?
2: Yeah, so, yeah of course,
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think it's one of the hardest things to explain to family as well. So it's like, it's, it's a really difficult conversation because you're always trying to explain, and they're like, no, no, it's possible, it's possible, you just need to lose more weight, it's possible. And then you're just like, no, like this is like like, that is physically impossible or that ideal is physically impossible because my body shape isn't like that. The frame of my body isn't like that. And even if I was to lose weight and put on the muscle mass, it probably won't look like that because my build isn't built to be like that.
0: Okay, great. So before we sort of uh, come to the end, um, I guess it would be really great for you to share kind of five top tips um, in terms of what we should do. Um, on a daily basis whether that you know you be a guy or a girl or whatever age you are just five little things that we should do and if you could just give us a few of them we'll wrap this up
1: yeah oh I love this because it's always really simple like there's there's never really like the magical five tips it's always really simple and it's it's a lot of things that people know but I think people always underestimate how simple it is and so I think top tip number one is focus on your daily health and dietary habits it's not the chocolate or the ice cream that you had last month at creams or like treats or whatever. Like it's not the chocolate that you had like once a week or the cake that you had at your friend's birthday last week that makes the change to your weight. It's actually the things that you do every day. So it's probably that two biscuits that you have with your tea um, in the evenings every day, or like the dessert that you have after your dinner every day. It's the things that you do every day that add to your daily calories or your daily energy content that you take in that makes the the, the difference whether it goes up or down or makes a difference for whatever it is in terms of your general health that you're trying to do. Um, So I think the only way to be able to achieve that is basically to be more aware of what it is that you're putting in your body. Like I know a lot of people probably, it's really daunting to come face to face with what it is that you eat, but I would say Try keeping a food diary for around five days. So just write down everything that you're eating. You can also write down your mood at the time that you go for a specific food. So you can like also tell whether mood is a trigger or external factors that might trigger your food choices choices on a daily basis. You also might want to keep a track of like on a busier day, do you find that you reach for things that are more calorie dense because of time or because you're not as like aware of what it is that you're choosing um, and taking a look through those and seeing where there are like extra high energy, um, high fat content foods that are added and seeing where you can make the changes. So I think okay. important, like my top tip one would literally be focus on your daily dietary habits or health habits. Um, and if you find it hard to pick out, it might be useful to just get a family member or someone else that you know, you wouldn't mind looking at it just to see if they can see anywhere where you might be missing something out. But again, like I think it's important at that time also to be honest with yourself, because you do want to if you want to make the change, you need to be able to see it for yourself. Um, Top tip number two is portion size control is key. Like I said, with the carbs, you can have anything and everything um, as a general rule in most of the cases, so long as you have them in moderation and you control the portion sizes even that includes things like chocolate, like having a chocolate like once a week, there is no problem with it. Like it's very unlikely that that is what is causing you to put on weight or stop you from losing weight. If
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's fine. Um, top tip number three is, okay, so this is, a, this is something that I actually pretty much love, but I know it's also quite hard. Um, It's aim for realistic, sustainable nutritional changes. So the reason why I say realistic is, Don't set a goal for yourself or a nutritional, um, um, like a nutritional target, because, again, it might not be just for weight loss. It might be just for better health outcomes um, or, or like a better medical condition or medical profile. It could be for those as well. But set it so that it is realistic and that you can work towards it. Like don't set yourself something with a very short time period that's very difficult to achieve because nothing is impossible, but it's also not going to be easy. Like, when it comes to making changes, they're also very hard because everything that you've been doing up until now is based on habit. And because it's based on habit, habits are hard to break. So they do take time. So I would say be realistic about the goals that you set. And the reason why I say sustainability is when it comes to making dietary changes, I always think that, like, your diet is basically an essential part of your lifestyle. So you don't want to make a change that you only keep for a very short amount of time. Unless, of course, you have one of those where you want to lose this amount of weight for a specific purpose like a competition or like a wedding or something and then you are fine with it after but if your general goal is to improve your nutritional status as a whole I would say think of sustainable changes so things that you can keep for a long term like you don't want to make changes that are very difficult to keep or very unrealistic or don't really have the benefits and aren't effective and then you let go of them and then you end up going back to where you were or even at a at a worse starting point than you were before.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think that's a really good point because I think loads of people get into the very big loop of a crush diet. Like they go, mm-hmm. it's fine. I'm literally just going to starve myself for two yeah. weeks. And then literally, I'll be fine. But actually, I've noticed because I, I, I'll i be honest, again, I tried that one time, I didn't starve myself. But I really, really, really cut down on meals for like a two week period. And yeah, I lost weight. Yeah, great. Happy days. But literally a week after I actually put on all that weight and actually put on more weight on top of that. And I was like, after that, I'm never doing this again. So actually, you're right. It has to be sustainable. You have to think long term, if short term is what you want. And if you're going to be happy with putting that weight back on. Fine, that's on you, but I agree. Yeah. Long term is always better. hundred yeah. percent. I definitely agree. Yeah.
1: And I also think like, especially when you're saying that, like the, I get really concerned when people say that they want to go on crash diets, like, okay, fine, if again, you have a specific goal and you're not really concerned about what happens after, or like you're you're if you're already having a good diet but then you go further restrictive and then you go back to having a good diet after like again. It's up to you. But I'm really concerned when it comes to things like crash diets. And that's why I talk about sustainability. It's because you can get very much deficient. Like nutritional deficiency is a thing, even if you're in a healthy BMI. Like you might lose so much weight, but at the same time, depending on what you're cutting out or what it is that you're not having, you can become nutritionally deficient. And that's something that we don't want. And like in terms of sustainable weight loss, we say what healthy, safe weight loss is roughly 0.5 to 1 kg per week. So, essentially, in a month, we would expect you to lose, like, if you're maintaining the changes consistently or safely, at least two to four kgs in that month is what okay. we would expect. All right. Fine. Yeah. So, four kgs is a lot. So, like, if you're expecting mm-hmm. you to lose 20 kg in two months, like, I would say that's not realistic. No. Yeah.
2: So for sure.
1: it's, it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you might be able to do it. But again, like, are the changes going to be sustainable? Like, are you going to be able to maintain this after? Um. What is your, like, also your psychological mental well-being going to be like are you going to mm-hmm. be happy during this period or is it going to put you in, this, in, in a place where you develop other unhealthy habits yeah. like the all factors that I would say that you would also need to consider as well and it's like be yeah. careful about because again this is your body like you need it for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and yeah, right. that is a really important part of that and it's also like yeah. it's not just about looking after what it's also about looking after like your mental well-being and your social well-being and everything else as well so, top tip three would would be aim for realistic, sustainable nutritional changes. Um, going on to top tip four, I would say try not to drink your calories. So, the things that we drink, we don't really take into account as calories, or we don't take into account as it goes with your food. It also affects how much you're taking in on a daily basis with your energy content. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. This is probably going to be very concerning for those of you who haven't heard it, because the first time I told my brother, he was like, sorry, what? Um, but one can of Coke, so the sunny cans of Coke that you can buy at like supermarkets or whatever, has roughly, okay, like like disclaimer here, like don't sue me Coca-Cola. Like <laughs> 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 One can of Coke has like nine teaspoons of sugar, right? Wow. That's a that's crazy. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, nine teaspoons of sugar. Public Health England tell you that roughly you should have five teaspoons of sugar. In a day? Yeah. And, and that one can has 90 of oh, th- that, that one can has nine teaspoons of sugar. And those nine teaspoons of sugar has 140 calories. Now bearing in mind that those 140 calories get cleared from your system very quickly. So it doesn't really make you feel full. It doesn't make you feel like satiated. So, you're likely going to have a meal within the next two hours anyway. And that meal is going to likely be your standard 500 calorie meal, which is like so
0: there's no real benefit. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like 500 plus that 140 calories from like the Coke. And then there are like if you have two Cokes, that's like almost 300 calories. Um, So, it's like really like it's not really taken into account so like yeah. calories is like a really big thing like yeah. there are people who have like breakfast but also have a milkshake or a smoothie alongside it mm-hmm. um and I would say like I always try to tell people not to drink their breakfast because yeah. essentially you've blended all the fiber so your body has not, nothing to digest so it will get cleared through your body really quickly so you get hungry quicker and so you ah, okay. go for food more sooner than you mm-hmm. would if you were to actually have the fruits as a whole yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. So yeah. Again, and you're drinking. Again, you aren't like, and you feel less satiated or less satisfied with the meal, and which is also why you probably go for more food sooner than you would. Like, it might be like your mid-morning snack might be even more higher in calories, or you might crave something just to keep you full at that time. So, I think drinking calories is a big thing, and I'm okay. Be more aware of it. Like, it's fine if you have the occasional milkshake or like whatever. Um, and the occasional cooking mm-hmm. time but like can you imagine having 19 yeah. sugar in just one can of coke every day day yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and people do it, <laughs> it you know to. sometimes at lunch at work it's a quick fix isn't it it's I just know. like i'm yeah. just gonna have a sandwich and a coke yeah
1: yeah I so do. yeah so that's that's something um top tip number five i don't know if this is really much of a top tip this is just something that i felt like everyone should know um get your vitamin d guys like Bone profile or bone health is like a massive thing. Like, I don't think we really, like a lot of people don't take it seriously enough, but like, because we are a South Asian community, our skin tend to be darker as well. And because of the melanin, we don't absorb as much vitamin D as like our Caucasian counterparts would from the sun. Um, And also vitamin D, like, yes, you can find it in food, but it's very difficult for your body to actually, like it's very difficult to get. You would have to have like so much of the food to be able to get it. So um like it's not absorbed as well as well in the gut so that's another thing so what i would say is look into maybe getting something like a vitamin d supplement on a daily basis or even think of like a multivitamin which has includes vitamin d in it you can just go to like one of the pharmacies and you can ask them that you want to look into getting like vitamin d supplementation for a daily basis for your health um or for bone health and then they will recommend the ones which would be most suited to you so I would say that's something that I would want everyone to consider. Um, you don't, like, yes, like, like it is mainly advised, like, the supplementation side of thing is mainly advised for, like, particular at-risk vulnerable groups, like the elderly over the age of 65, when you're younger, like, in the growing stages, or if you, like, up until you're, like, 18, when your bones are still growing, or if you have something like young pregnancy and you haven't reached peak, peak bone mice density. But I don't think there's any harm in vitamin D supplementation. Um for maintenance on a daily basis, for anyone within South because I don't think we get enough sun. And especially if you live no, in, oh, one hundred percent, no we yeah. And especially if you live in the UK, I'm like, we get sun like this is like this is a miracle like recently over the last few weeks yeah. it's actually a miracle we mostly yeah. go most of the year round without any sun so yeah exactly I would yeah. say that's also something that you might want to consider so those are my top five tips
0: okay cool all right so that pretty much wraps it up uh, thank you so much uh, for joining um, me I'm I'm more than sure that loads of people including myself I've learned a lot of really new things and actually there are loads of things that I probably do that I know I shouldn't or don't and I know I should etc so thank you so much for your time um and as always my tune of the day session is chosen by my guest uh, and I believe you've chosen a tune for today um so I'm gonna let you introduce it um and yeah thanks again for joining me
1: um thank you so much for having me anyway Abira um it's actually been quite a fun experience I was quite nervous so I hope your listeners did get something out of it and if anything I'm sure they
0: I'm sure they'll love
1: it um, so the tune of the day something I've been listening to quite a bit recently and I feel like especially in the mornings that like, gets me pumped is um, Ayana Nakamura I probably don't say her name right Ayana Nakamura Pookie 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 it's a tune guys take a listen
0: <laughs> thanks again don't forget to like comment and subscribe to my channel and also follow me on Instagram at Bougie underscore underscore I hope you all have a great day wherever you are and don't forget to tune in next time see you soon bye
2: T'es bon, qu'à planer, ouais, je s'entends, j'aime, j'ai l'avocat. Entre nous, il y a un fossé, toi, t'es bon qu'à faire la mala. Bébé, fais du sale, allo, 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 million dollars, bébé, tu veux ça Bébé, fais du sale, allo, 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 million dollars, bébé, tu bosses. Je suis gang, oh, game, oh, yeah. il ne joue pas, bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Je suis gang, oh, game, oh, yeah. il ne joue pas, bang. bang, bang. Yeah. Bla bla la bouquille. Ferme la porte à la bouquille dans le sable. La blabla, blab, la blab, bouquille. Ferme la porte à la bouquille dans le pook, Ferme la porte à la bouquille dans le sable. Pouquille, Ferme la porte à la bouquille dans l'slide. Ah. Depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, ah. Ah. J'ai vu dans ça. Bye bye, j'ai pas besoin de bye je J'sais pas fort, là j'ai pas le temps pour pas. J'sais pas fort, là tu fais trop d'efforts. C'est bye là, c'est pour les mecs comme toi Ta clé pour des pipettes, ça va claquer pour des pipettes, ça va claquer crack. Pour les bonbilles, ça va grave Je J'crois que c'est leur ding dong. J'suis gang, oh game. boy ne joue pas bang, bang, bang. J'suis gang, oh game. boy ne joue pas bang, bang, bang. Da 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 bouki ferme la porte la bouki dans side da 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 bouki ferme la porte la bouki dans le sas ah depuis longtemps j'ai vu dans ça depuis longtemps j'ai vu dans ça depuis longtemps ah ah j'ai vu dans ça bébé, bébé du sale allô 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 million de dollars bébé tu veux ça bébé, bébé du sale allô 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 million de dollars bébé tu veux ça bébé de sale San la- oh, c'est chaud oh oh, 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 c'est chaud la- Oh, c'est chaud là. Ah, depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, ah, ah, j'ai vu dans ça. Ah, depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, j'ai vu dans ça. Depuis longtemps, ah, ah, j'ai vu dans ça.